Pat Bev celebrates so hard. KD and Kyrie go off and CJ McCollum went absolutely nuclear. I'm Rosa Panta. This is the Clinic All-NBA Podcast. I have the three hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Feeling good. Feeling great. I'm going to ask all of you, John Paxson or Steve Kerr? Ooh, John, how you living? I'm living great. I'm going to have to go with Steve Kerr. I love John Paxson, hey. but you got to go with the guy who was super clutch, too. Yeah, absolutely. Sammy, how you living? Sadly, not as well as one Patrick Beverly. Uh, I'm okay otherwise, <laughs> though. <laughs> I have to I, concur. Yeah. I got to bring in the video producer here. RJ, who are you picking, buddy? I, I think it's obvious. Got to go with Steve Kerr. There we go. JJ, who are you going with? You know, I've read multiple threads and the storybooks from Bulls fans, and they all have a special place for Paxson because he was more aggressive. The clutch shot with the original championship team. Ooh. But uh, I got to go with Steve Kerr, man. He's <laughs> my guy. Not a lot of players could also take a punch from Jordan and Tiger, come back and gain his trust. Yeah, that's absolutely uh, right. Yes. Yes. I'm also going to go with Steve Kerr. I mean, if you haven't heard his championship speech, absolutely hilarious. You got to YouTube it. You got knocked up anyway, out, man. we had some play in games. And so we're going to start off with some quick hit news. And here we go. So Robert Williams got hurt. But now there's a very real chance that he could return in his series for in the series versus the Nets, which is huge because the one Achilles heel that the Celtics had was their size. And Andre Drummond is a big rebounding machine. And so any help the Celtics can get on their front line, I think would be on the front court would be huge. So we'll see how that that uh, plays out. And today. Steph actually had his first scrimmage with the Warriors. He had three six-minute segments, totaling about 18, obviously. So the Warriors are very conservative in terms of what they release to the media. But all signs are pointing that my man Steph will be playing game one, which raises the yeah. question, who's going to sit up now that Jordan Poole has been balling? Do you sit out? Wiggins, which might drastically affect his confidence. Do you sit out Looney, who's going against Jokic with that size? Or do you sit out Poole, who's been on a hot streak? You sit out Steph. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, please. (laughs) That is correct. All right. And speaking of playoff debuts and season debuts, for that matter, rumors are out that one Ben Simmons could finally make his long-awaited season debut in game four of the Nets Celtics series. So many questions about this. Got to wonder how he fits in. How is his conditioning going to be if this happens? Just Will Joel Embiid be watching? Just I have so many questions about if this happens. So I'm hoping it does just because the more full strength we get, the better. But we'll see when we get deeper into that series and how it's going if if Simmons indeed comes out and makes his debut in Brooklyn for game four. Sammy, raw, 
diagnosing not the Lions but the player. Hit us with your prediction for assist. Assist for Simmons? Yeah. Oh, I want to hear this. First game, I'm going to guess that Nat, I know Nash likes to run his players 35, 40 minutes. I can't imagine he's going to play Simmons more than, what, 22, 23? I'm going to go with six. And that's kind of generous, but I have a feeling that they'll they'll use him to set up KD and Kyrie a lot when he's in. I think that's going to be his role. I think they're going to protect him by keeping him with one of those guys at all times so that he has an outlet. Six assists or yeah. 6% field goal? <laughs> Both might be accurate. Both might be accurate. But boys, we're going to get to our first topic here. Patrick Beverly absolutely stole the show with some WWE-level theatrics on Tuesday as Minnesota punched their ticket to the playoffs with a 109-104 victory over the Los Angeles Clippers. Sorry, Sammy, who's a Clipper fan here. Sorry. In the Western Conference 7-8 play-in game, the Timberwolves will go as a seven seed matching up against the Memphis Grizzlies in the first round. I have to ask you guys, Patrick Beverly standing up just on, like, on the scorer's table, celebrating, waving his hands, taking off his jersey, throwing it into the stands. Absolutely ridiculous celebrating for a playing game. What did you guys think of the celebration by Pat Bev? <sighs> what did I think? That is that is an excellent question. <laughs> WWE would be accurate. I would have I wouldn't have minded and this is not a threat of violence, but I wouldn't have minded a WWE style steel chair somewhere in there by the end of that whole celebration. <laughs> Hey, hey, hey. I mean, Pat's Pat, man. You you love him if he's on your team. You hate him when he's not. And I I get what he was trying to say after the game that Minnesota hasn't had much to celebrate. But man, was he getting clowned all over Twitter after that game, and honestly, rightfully so. Like I get it, you're excited, but that was that was extreme. Although he might have parlayed his way into a an endorsement deal with Bud Light, from what I saw after the game. But just yeah. overall, that from the perspective of being a Clipper fan, it was so frustrating that they completely shut down Cat. Like their their defensive strategy on him was brilliant. They they basically dared Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell to win that game, and they were still up ten when Cat fouled out, and it's just like the wheels completely fell off. It was just so frustrating because it was one of the few times I've seen Ty Lue undermanned since he's been the Clipper coach and get outcoached because he clearly got outcoached at the end of that game. He did. So <laughs> I'm curious to see how much celebrating Bev will do if uh, if he's guarding John Morant. I uh, wonder how that will go. I have a hunch as to how it will go, but I will try not to be overly bitter after that game and just look forward to the Pelicans game coming up here tomorrow. <laughs> Wow, this is uh this is something, right? Tell me you're not butthurt without explicitly not saying you're butthurt. And if anything, Pat Beverly clear I mean, have we ever seen a celebration like this before? I know the play in is only two years old, but for not even a playoff game. I mean it had playoff implications, obviously, but this is, wasn't even game one of a playoff series. This was to see if you can make it to the playoffs, which they didn't. They are now in the playoffs. And right. to see him 
act the way he did, it was kind of embarrassing. I made a huge mistake. I don't know. I'm sure there there are a lot of Timberwolves fans out there that are that love the enthusiasm, they love the heart and the hustle, which I can't argue with that. I get it. But this is a little over the top. And it's clearly that he had a personal vendetta that he was it was mostly personal. And you could tell, right? Because you didn't see Anthony Edwards act a fool, jump on the on the stands or jump on the scores table and rag on the team. I mean, it was clearly because the Clippers decided to move on from him and pay Reggie Jackson. But this is the that's the business that you go into the NBA, you become a player, a professional basketball player, knowing that there are trades that are gonna happen, that you know, you can at the at the split second on a whim, you could be moved to a different team, regardless of how loyal you think the team is or how the player is. It works both ways. So Patrick Beverly, he just he wears his heart on his sleeve and it's kind of a blessing and a curse in my opinion. I just think it's kind of a clown show, to be honest, the way that he acted. Man, you I think he needs to be a little more respectful. I mean, the Clippers gave him a lot of good years, and it's just a part of the business. So big, big props to the Timberwolves for making the playoffs, but I don't, I can't get down with the way that he, he was acting, regardless of how he <laughs> yeah. feels about the Clippers. So, of course, I think you guys would know that I totally agree with the both of you. And Vince Lombardi had this quote that carried on with one of our favorite football players. When I say we, me, the host, June, and our video producer, RJ. Jerry Rice used to always say from Vince Lombardi, act like you've been there before. Yeah. Right, guys? Right. Act like well, you've been there before. But when I thought about the whole incident, I was just thinking, you know what? The Timberwolves haven't experienced much success. The last time that they made the playoffs was with that Wiggins and Cat team. And they had one of the lowest attendance records for a team that was over 500. Good point. You witness the 2013-2014 Nets playoff series with Garnett, D. Will, Paul Pierce, where there were empty seats. And I don't know. I just thought, well, Pat Bev kind of put this attitude in this team where now there's even more pressure because he kind of made a fool of himself that now they kind of have to win or else this plain celebration makes them more look like jokes, to be quite frank. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge part of me that says like act like you've been there before that's how i would act but i guess like i've never had it well i was a war- we were warrior fans during the dark ages and when the we yeah. believe team went against the maps in the first round we kind of went crazy oh celebrated hard so maybe that's how they feel <laughs> right talk me out of that though no i'm i'm with you jj because Ironically, another JJ, JJ, JJ Reddick actually had something to say about this too, right? He said, NCAA has these one elimination games all the time and they celebrate like they celebrated. So why are we giving Pat Bev a hard time? I think the biggest difference though, is that these are grown men. These are mm-hmm. professionals. So you, 
you expect them to act like professionals when you're making millions and millions of dollars, not like NCAA players. Yep. So even though they uh, have the, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go. Sorry, my, my bad. I was gonna say, even though they have the right to celebrate, Pat Bev has the right to celebrate that hard. John's kind of right. I did kind of have some secondhand embarrassment for him for some reason, like him crying. Like, I don't know if it's that much, right? Yeah, and, and I would rock with you guys normally about that. I think it's great for a team that hasn't really smelled success in a long time to be excited about being in the playoffs. But the issue that I have with it is that I don't think that's what Patrick Beverly, that's what he was celebrating. I think his no, personal wasn't. feelings yeah, you're that right. he was able to <laughs> stick it to the Clippers is True. the real reason why he was so excited, right? I yeah. don't. I think and, that, oh, I mean, obviously he had some excitement about the Timberwolves and his team making the playoffs, but I, I'm almost certain without having, being friends with him or being able to speak to him that he's probably <laughs> more excited about sticking it to the Clippers who the he felt thing, did him agree. wrong. Agreed. Yeah. And the funny thing with that is he felt that they did him wrong by not giving him a contract extension when Reggie Jackson completely outplayed him in the playoffs last year. Let's just make that clear. It wasn't close. Right. And he was coming off a three or $42 million contract that they had paid him prior anyway. So it wasn't like he was on the vet minimum and then they let him go. He had been taken care of. That was the part I found completely ridiculous about this whole thing. Like, <laughs> well, Reggie was amazing in last year's playoffs. And the, you know what I remember yeah. Bev doing? And this will be sour grapes, call what you want. I remember him shoving down Chris Paul at the end of game six when they were down 10 points or 12 points and the game was over. That's what I remember that Bev did last year. So my my listeners out there, I'm gonna speak on behalf of John and myself that there are people like Sammy that enabled this behavior from Patrick <laughs> Beverly. And it's totally Sammy's fault. John, back me up right now. I 100% agree. It's actually unacceptable behavior. I don't even know why we tolerate here tolerated here on the all clinic nba podcast to be honest with you well with that note it's been a good run gentlemen <laughs> no 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 no. we need a punching bag how else are we gonna have fun around here i'm just kidding you need so a punching bag have you seen the lakers this year <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, well, that's, uh, that's good that's good that's good touche touche with that being noted we're gonna move on to our next topic here young and hunter led the hawks to a 132 to 103 play in route of the hornets what did we learn from the Atlanta Hawks this game? Well, before I jump into what we learned about the Hawks, I have to say that I'm pretty embarrassed about my pick in the last episode. I said this was going to be the game, the best game, the most competitive game of the entire play-ins. And it was a huge clunker. And not only that, but the stars did not play well at all. Even though Trey Young and LaMelo both scored, I think, over 25 points, they shot horribly from the field, turned the ball over a lot, didn't look in sync. It was it was strange. But anyway, the Hawks. Man, they're they're like they're like a fly that you just can't get rid of, right? They, <laughs> they you clip one of their wings and they're just still there. They're, they they yeah. look like they're on life support. They didn't look like they were gonna make the playoffs, let alone the play in this year. And they are one game away from making the playoffs. And they're playing the Cavs. And I don't know if Jared Allen is playing, but I think they're going to beat the Cavs and make the playoffs. 
And Trey Young is that guy. I know Bill Simmons doesn't think so, but I think we have to start giving him credit that he is, he, when it matters, when the playoffs are here, when the games are on the line, he shows up. And if he's shooting bad, he does it in other ways. He was making dime, he was throwing dimes in the game. He was making dishes. He tracks so much of the, of the defense, double teams. And I think that's, that kind of loses sight amongst a lot of people, but he kind of has that Steph Curry effect, obviously not the same because Steph is one of a kind, but he has, he draws that attention from the defense. And I think that is huge for the Hawks. It opens things up for so many other players. So I think what we've learned is that they're really, despite their record this year, they're still a dangerous team. And I think it all, obviously it starts and it ends with Trey, Trey Young. I also think this version of DeAndre Hunter is the reason that they were inclined to trade Cam Reddish. And he felt like that third piece along with Collins, who also didn't play, and I don't think he's going to be back for the Cavs game himself. He's been out with a foot sprint for, I think, at least 10 games now. But Hunter's stat line is pristine, man. 9 of 16 from the field, a couple of threes, 22 points, seven rebounds, no turnovers. He plays like that. If they get Collins back, if they can get, let's say they win the plane and then they get Collins back against the Heat, all of a sudden that series becomes a lot more interesting to me. I don't know if they're going to beat the Cavs in regards to Jared Allen, John, because I know you mentioned him. The reports are he's still in a lot of pain, but he's going to try to play anyway because mm-hmm. of the circumstance, which I respect from him, and they're going to need him if they're going to win this game. Actually, it says a lot to me that the bookmakers actually favor Atlanta on the road against Cleveland tomorrow. They're a two-point favorite. They opened as a point and a half, and it moved to two, which means that money is coming in, at least yesterday, was coming in on Atlanta. So, Interesting. It's very interesting. I was surprised to see that. I thought Cleveland would be, like, not a huge favorite, but two and a half to three. So, But if Hunter shows up like that again, and Allen's not at 100%, I could easily see Atlanta moving on, like John said. So... I'm going to go ahead. You guys cover the Hawks. And if you don't mind, I wanted to cover the Hornets. And LaMelo, I think, is to talk about the Hornets. And he's been the talk for this year. The last uh, postseason, last season's postseason, he didn't really play well. He shot 4 of 14 in a blowout loss against the Pacers. And, you know, this year, 7 of 25. And he just chucked the ball. Didn't really look really good. And to add insult to injury, you you guys see what Miles Bridges did to that poor little girl? Yep. Yeah. His mouthpiece. Hopefully he doesn't have COVID and whatever <laughs> else is out there. His aim but, was terrible, dude. Aim, yeah. yeah. He wasn't he even wasn't... aiming at the girl. He was aiming at this clown guy who was like making noises and I think just spitting right? verbal cues and well, fit him with the team they shot 37 percent as a whole he might as well have missed his last shot of the night <laughs> that's very accurate it's so like my, yeah go ahead john sorry well i'm gonna ask a question like i know Lamelo didn't play well he's 20 years old i'm more inclined to give him a break i know that he's it's a second straight year of playing poorly but i think it's only that's part of the problem but i think the bigger issue is the fact that they the hornets let the talk score 132 points and then the pacers last year they let them score over 140 
So defensively, they're absolutely terrible. And、mm-hmm. obviously, defense isn't played by one guy. LaMelo could probably improve his defense, but nobody on that team is playing defense. And it, it shows, it's, it's evident. And I don't know if it's a coaching thing, personnel, maybe a mixture of both, but that is the issue because their reason why they were four games over 500 or five games over 500, whatever it is, is because they have offense. They, are one, they were one of the best offensive teams efficiently this year. But as we all know, and people that are familiar with basketball, when it comes in the playoffs and the teams are way better talent wise, but things lock in, things tighten up. Defense is actually the real reason why championships are made, why team success happens is from defense. And they're terrible. So I think that's the bigger issue to me. Do you guys agree? I, I would. And I would also say to me, especially in. In the regular season as a whole, but in the playoffs in particular, the third quarter to me says volumes because that's when coaches are making adjustments, right? That's when we're seeing who's figured out what's going on, schemed up in the locker room and come out. Third quarter is when this game got away 42 to 24、right. in the third. Atlanta outscored Charlotte by 18, put up over 40. And that by the end of the third, this was, I believe, what, a 27 point game or 26 point game? It was an eight point game at the half. This was very competitive. And then Atlanta just blew their doors off. That, that says something either about very solid coaching on Atlanta's side or very poor coaching on Charlotte's side as well. And whether or not LaMelo and Charlotte's players were just not ready for the moment.、It's、I think it's curious that Michael Jordan's the GM. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking, right? Bro, I'm going to let you go real quick, but I just want to throw this in here. I'm just glad that Charlotte got blown out because now MJ is going to do something desperate, like trade for、oh, Russell、no. Westbrook. Oh, no,、give、you us, went there. Give us all your assets, MJ. <laughs> well, I was going to say, JJ, you know, you said Michael Jordan, right? Did anyone trust that Hornets roster more than that Hawks roster? I mean, I feel like that Hawks roster is generally just better. I don't、I、know.、Had. What do you、They、guys think? They made a deep run last year. Why not? That's what I'm saying. I agree, but I did think I thought LaMelo was going to have a big game. And I said it on the last one、yeah. myself. That was a wild miss, clearly, based on、yeah. his performance. But I thought LaMelo was really going to shine because, like we were saying earlier, Atlanta doesn't play defense either. Neither of these teams play defense. <laughs> yeah, We've seen、true. that. So I thought LaMelo was absolutely going to shine and clearly just didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, all those guys didn't play well. Miles Bridges didn't play well. I mean, Terry Rogier, my goodness. He was scary Terry, but for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. I absolutely agree. Hold up. Two titles are up for grabs on the stacked UFC 273 fight card. Join the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter to get $100 in free bets, win or lose, guaranteed. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Throw down $5 on UFC 273 and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code TBPN this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. 21 and up. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I'm going to take us, guys, to the next topic here Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, the Nets defeat the Cavs. In the play in game, what did you guys think of this game? Oh man, you know, when you see Katie in the postseason, 
he's just scary because he could just take over the game and it looks so easy. And he even stated earlier this week that an unappreciated element of his repertoire is his passing. And this dude had 11 assists as a four. Sometimes that plays five. That's really oh. ridiculous, you know? Yeah. And you have Kyrie who went off for 34 points with 12 assists. I guess my main concern for the Nets is it got pretty close with the injury-ridden Cavs. But in any series, you could argue those are the two best players on both sides of the matchup. And yeah. the Cavs, like, they didn't have any superstars to compete on that level, even though you couldn't have argued that their bench and the rest of their starters are kind of better, I guess. But I don't know. I wasn't really sold on the Nets, but KD, too scary, man. Too scary. You know, I, I think that the Cavs generally, they held their own for mm-hmm. not having Jared Allen and not having Colin Sexton. They only lost by seven points. So I don't know if this is more of a, um, you know, a negative mark on Cleveland, I guess, or if it's more, or I'm sorry, on the Nets, or more of a compliment on the on the Cavs. But either way, it was a competitive game. It was a close game, and I think the Nets they, they didn't really impress me, to be honest. I know K- Katie and Kyrie, they did their thing, which I would say everybody expected. But the Cavs, Darius Garland is a is a grow is an up and coming star. I think we can all agree on that. I think he he's definitely right. exceeded a lot of our expectations. Evan Mobley, obviously, candidate for Rookie of the Year. And once they get Colin Sexton back, who is a gritty, go getter, not no nonsense defensive guard, I think Cleveland is going to be scary. Maybe they could package Kevin Love. I mean, I know they're still in the play in. They're playing the Hawks, but. I think their future is bright and the nets they're going to need more help from their supporting cast from their role players if they actually want to go deep in the playoffs because Kyrie and kd they're gonna if that's if that's not going to happen they're gonna have to average 80 points between them i mean they had 59 this game but they need more support from their their role players i would say but overall it was a good game i think this game showed both the positive and the negative of the Nets because they came out firing. I think uh, we said in the first half, KD and Kyrie opened 13 for 13 combined before either one of them missed a shot. And they went up 20 in the first. And like we were saying, before you knew it, the Cavs got back in the game. And I think a big part of that is there's just a lack of defensive skill with parts of Brooklyn and it can allow teams back in the game. Cleveland was so short-handed that they knocked on the door but couldn't overcome it. But Boston would Boston's not going to have the same problem. They've got a little more offensive firepower. And if they were to get by Boston, now you're talking about Milwaukee theoretically would be the next matchup. Those teams just have more talent right now, especially because of how short-handed the Cavs were. On the Cavs side, I I look at this game as all things considered, very valiant effort from them. Garland went, a, went off for 34. Mobley stepped up in this scenario as pretty much the only interior big they had. The rest of the bigs that were healthy for this game for them 
or Markinen, Love, and I believe Okoro, but Okoro's more of a small forward. They were short-handed in size, and he still managed to at least hold his own, bang with Drummond without a problem, and almost helped lead them back. I was very impressed by how Cleveland kept fighting in this game. I don't know what to expect out of them tomorrow. I mean, depending on Allen's health and if he can be effective, it definitely changes things for them. But this, to me, overall, just showed the positive and the negative of the Nets, because the other factor here is that Durant and Irving both played 42 minutes. Right. In a game where they were up yeah. more than 20 at one point. If they can't put away a shorthanded team like Cleveland, are you asking these guys to run 40-plus minutes the rest of the playoffs? And you might be. And is that going to work? And that's the question. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Kevin or Kyrie Irving, 34 points, 3 rebounds, 12 assists, all while fasting. That's mm. absolutely ridiculous. Thoughts. Kevin Durant... 25 points, five rebounds, 11 assists, two steals, and three blocks. He was absolutely everywhere. What's crazy, or uh, Sammy, to your point, is that they have to continue to play at this level because yep. these games are not going to get easier with the Boston Celtics. The only thing that I will say is that they still have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And when I say that, I mean, if these games are close, their side with Kevin with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they're probably less nervous because they have two clutch performers, right? Boston, I don't know, man, when that game gets tight, they still have young guns in in Tatum and Brown. Like, who knows what you're going to get? So I would still take the Nets in that situation. And then with the Cleveland Cavaliers, if Jarrett Allen comes back, that's still an absolutely scary team because I feel like if Jarrett Allen was in this game, it would be even closer. This game would have been absolutely closer. So I guess we'll see what happens with both I think teams. If, uh, Go ahead. I think if uh, Ben Simmons is able to play and slot in, I know that they haven't Ooh. played together. But I think if Ben Simmons comes back for that Celtics series, it's going to be hard for, the, for Boston to win. And the reason I say that is because Ben Simmons on Tatum, you don't need a lot of practice to play defense on somebody. And I think he's going to be able to give Tatum a hard time. Do you guys think they're going to trust Ben Simmons out there? Do you think they would, they would trot him out there? I don't think they have a lot of other options against Tatum, frankly, unless you want to put Durant mm. on him and you got to save Durant. Don't you like, you can't, True. you can't put him on Tatum. You not, at least not for more than a couple minutes at a time. No. JJ, what do you think? Oh, so I was really caught off guard with John's remark. I thought he was going to make a Jenner or Kardashian joke. Because <laughs> no. he has dozens of times. No. Which is why everyone never, here is laughing. So. I've never I've never made a joke. Never. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if I would... Like, that would scare me, honestly. So Ben Simmons has been out with low back problems, right? He hasn't played five-on-five five yet. He's, he's also, um, from his camp, he's had mental issues, right? With just dealing with what he was dealing with in 76ers. And then to drop him in important games, like a four, five, or six game, like that seems really crazy to put him in those situations. I don't know what you would get from him. That yeah, sounds the, like a situation where he would just break down, right? The Celtics, when they run their defense, 
they run it with a unique fashion where you don't know if it's man or zone when they double when there's help side coming when they hedge and even um when they played the jazz the jazz said we had no idea what they were doing on defense true so if you have someone like ben simmons who hasn't been playing with uh steve nash offense which is predicated on motion it might work since Kyrie and katie like motion or they like iso i should say but i don't know man that's a crazy series to have a guy who's never played go against i would probably the most complicated defense in the league i would i would disagree with you guys and the reason i say that is because barring his health i think his health is the only set would be the only hold or the only thing that to prevent him from just throwing him out there because he is literally he's an elite defender and i know that he had mental it you know he's obviously like mentally still trying to recover from what his past experience with the sixers but he was expected to be the second best player on that team more than tobias harris and they were expecting mm-hmm. him to score here in brooklyn he's not expected to do that at all he can focus on the things that he excels at which is defense rebounding True. and assists yeah, that's absolutely true. And, you know, we're going to take this to the next topic here. CJ McCollum leads the Pelicans past the Spurs in a play-in game. What did you guys think of this game here? Well, John, you had a lot of positive things to say about this game last pod. Excuse <laughs> me. I think the quote was, who cares? I played the fifth. <laughs> okay. John pleads the fifth. Yeah, I played the fifth. No, no, I'll say this, though. Okay, it was on. actually one of the better games. I'm surprised. So mm. I stand yeah. corrected. I'm sorry. I have to apologize to both the city of New Orleans and the city of San Antonio. It was a good game. Competitive. And I get props. What can I say? As a fan of the team that's going to be playing the Pelicans next game, I was actually hoping the Spurs would win this just because the Pelicans do have more star power and the ability to get played, to have players to score in bunches. And that's no disrespect to the Spurs, particularly to DeJounte Murray, who had an unbelievable year this year. But looking at the lineups just as they are, the Pelicans look like the team that can come back from a double-digit deficit for the sake of argument. And this was this was a good game, but uh, it did feel like to me the whole time the Pelicans had it pretty much had control. It felt like they were ahead the whole time, and they they were there. So if if they come out shooting the ball pretty well, I I could easily see them coming into LA and getting the win depending on how how the Clippers adjust and react after collapsing against Minnesota here mm. on Tuesday. Yeah, just to add on to what you guys are saying, insane turnaround from the Pelicans who started the season 3-16. and 16. Yeah. Yeah, CJ McCollum, Dang. where people were ripping him apart. Um, I don't know if you want to call them Blazer fans, but there was a lot of concerns that <laughs> they probably should have traded him way before this True. season. True. And now you have this dude come into this imperative game and basically won it for the Pelicans. Yeah, and he went off. He went mm-hmm. off, and I think he made 10 of his first 12 shots. And I don't know if it's just uh, Coach Stotts 
blame that we should point to. Maybe it's a new change of scenery, but we've always said that McCollum, his style of play where he's ISO on the top, he sizes up his defender and he just goes to work. It didn't really match well with with our boy Dame, and you know how we all love Dame on this pod, right? But sometimes True. it's just styles don't match, man. Like Stephen Curry, Monte Ellis, they didn't really match. Vince Carter and his cousin with McGrady didn't match well together. And a new change of scenery could do wonders, like all those examples have shown. So we'll see how McCollum will play for this upcoming game, but Wow, if I'm a Blazers fan, am I cheering for the Pelicans or am I wishing them to lose? June, do you want to wrap up with that? There's, you know, you're the Blazer insider here. There's a lot of confusion in Blazers world. It's like, they're they're happy for CJ, you know, he goes off. He's, uh, he's now a point guard, right? Which probably suits his, his style more. He's got like career highs in assists right now. But we traded for a conditional first rounder mm-hmm. where we need the Pelicans to lose. So Blazers fans are all sorts of confused. Like we want CJ to succeed, but also we want the Blazers to succeed, which means we want that pick. We want the Pelicans to lose. I think ultimately we got to cheer the other way here. Anyway. <laughs> I'm going to take us to our next topic here. So it looks like the next play on the play-in games are Cavs and Hawks, where the Hawks are visiting the Cavs. Who do you guys think is going to win this game here? And I'm, I'll just pick on people. John. The Hawks will win. And the fans will lose because we have to watch Trey Young's haircut for more games. <laughs> JJ. I'm going to go with that absurd pick. I'm going to go for the Cavs. Let's go. Okay, going with the Cavs. Sammy. Such a coin toss. Um, I will say Jared Allen grinds it out and Garland leads the Cavs to the win with, with Allen doing whatever he can. Oh man, I'm gonna go with the Hawks. I'm gonna go with Trey Young in these uh one like single elimination games. I'm going with him. Okay, next one is Clippers versus Pelicans. Who you who are you guys taking, JJ? <laughs> I was gonna pick me first because I know who John's gonna pick. I know who obviously Simon's gonna pick. It's true. But oh man, do I dare put money on? Paul George. Oh, I don't know. Is he going to playoff be playoff B? B? Man, he yeah. had B. I know oh, that that man. reputation precedes him, but I the stats last year say that that reputation is no longer justified. He was great Ooh, in the playoffs Defending his boy here. I like it. 100% because that, <laughs> that reputation has gone over the top. Now, even in this game, he came out two for 12 and he finished shooting 40% and had over 30 points. He was not the problem in this last game at all. He almost led the victory. Just That's because true. you That's said fair. that, I'm going to pick the Pelicans. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, picking the, I'm picking the Clippers. <laughs> okay, Clippers, Clippers. We're going Clippers. Sammy, are you surprising us here? Clippers by 50. Nice. John. <laughs> who do I want to win or who do I think is going to win? 
actually it doesn't matter because i'm gonna do pelicans for both Perfect, because oh, okay. I've seen your overall I, record when we pick, and so I'm thought, confident now. I thought you were going to try to reverse jinx him. You Sam, missed him like, opportunity. Like no, I didn't. The no, Sammy, it's the law of averages, dude. Law of averages, my friend. <laughs> someone someone tell John his average right now. Anyway, the ben next... Simmons. <laughs> percentage. So let's talk about the play-in teams that are actually already in the playoffs. Nets versus Celtics. What do you guys think of this matchup here? Man, this is interesting. And actually, even the odds are a complete toss-up on this. Last I saw in the odds on this, Celtics were favored barely. It's minus, I think it was minus 140, which is almost the equivalent of saying it's a pick. It's a toss-up, which is what the bookmakers are saying. And think about that in, in your average 2-7 seed. It's never like that. To put this in perspective, on uh just looking at some other matchups on the bracket the three six games the warriors are a minus 300 favorite the bucks are a minus 1100 favorite Ooh. and this one is just a total toss-up as much as the nets scare me on this i think i'm gonna take the celtics in seven there oh okay <laughs> i just don't think the nets defense is gonna hold up unless John's prediction is right. If Simmons comes Simmons comes back in game four and he plays 20 minutes at his normal defensive ability, that changes things. But until we see him on the court, I just think the Boston defense is too good. I think they're they're not yeah. obviously going to fully shut down Kyrie and KD throughout all these games, but it wouldn't surprise me if they shut down everybody else. And that oh, leaves... Man. That's true. Yeah, and, and that's just so... I think this might be the best series of the first round, but I'm going Celtics in seven here. JJ, who are you taking? Oh, man. I don't walk, know. Walk us through it. What you think? I, I am always a big advocate of the best defensive team in the series, which obviously is the Celtics. But I, like what I said in the beginning of the, the pod, we've seen KD. We've seen him take over games as Warrior fans. And this dude is incredible to watch. And there's kind of like a personal vendetta with the Celtics and Kyrie that makes it even more interesting. I just love this, man. That's, I, I wanna, that's where I'm going too. Yeah, yeah, I want people crying on the court like Patrick <laughs> Beverly. I want Katie to get a fade with his haircut so John doesn't have to make fun of him anymore. I want all of that. So. Should I? I'll, I'll go for Nets. Nets. Okay. Yeah. John, How many I don't games? Know. How many Nets, games? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, there we go. How many games? Nets. Nets in seven. Mm. Going down to the wire, John. Okay. So, I've been praising the Celtics inexplicably <laughs> for the last two weeks, but I've come to my senses recently, and if there's one thing the Celtics have done. In the last couple of years three maybe maybe even three or four years is they've underwhelmed they haven't met expectations and they disappointed so nothing i've seen leads me to believe that, that will, this will change this year and i think the nets are going to not only win the series but win convincingly Ooh. and i'm gonna say the nets 
in six. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Nets in five. Wow. That's where I'm going. I'm going Nets in five for exactly what John said. This is a prove it to me series for Celtics. If they win this series, then I'm all about them. I'm all about their defense. I'm all about Jalen Brown, all that stuff. Right now, they've proven nothing. Nothing to me. Regular season, don't care. Thing that I know is that KD, Kyrie, playoff performers, they're going to come through. I think they're going to win in five. The next one, Timberwolves versus Grizzlies. Who are we taking? I'm going to go with John first. This one's a tough one for me. And it's a kind of the same reason about the Celtics. The Grizzlies are unproven. Nobody expected them to have the record that they did this year. And their playoff performance is TBD with this current roster. And so, man, I think this is going to go longer than people think. uh, But I'm going to go with the Grizzlies in six, maybe seven. Ooh, okay. Sammy. Grizzlies in two after the Wolves forfeit. Uh, <laughs> no, I think uh, all kidding aside, I I appreciate what the Wolves have done this year, but I just think the Grizzlies just have too much depth, and I like them in in six in the series. I do think the Wolves will make it somewhat competitive. I don't think it's going to be a sweep by any means, but the Grizzlies just need a more talented team. Caveat, of course, on this one being assuming Jaws one hundred percent, which he seems to be. Grizz in six, like a JJ. I'm going through the same thought process as my last analysis with the Nets and Celtics. You have the Grizzlies, this monster of a defensive team versus the Timberwolves, where you have these star names like Cat, Anthony Edwards, John's favorite, D'Lo, <laughs> right? No. So, I don't know. I, as a Warrior fan, of, of course, I would rather see the Timberwolves because the Grizzlies scare me. So am I going to go for the more teamwork, team chemistry team in the Grizzlies or the Timberwolves? They're both unproven. I think for the sake of the pod, so we look something to forward to, I'm going to say the Timberwolves. Nice. I'm, I'm going with the Grizzlies. Like the fact that they could win games consistently without John Morant, that's absolutely crazy. And Jaw's going to play now. I like the Grizzlies. And I want to say that they're going to do it in six because I don't think they're fine-tuned enough to get rid of a team in four or five. Anyway, that is actually all we have for tonight's pod. I want to thank you three for being on. JJ, thank you. Thank you. John, thanks for being on, man. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. Sammy, thanks for being on. Thank you. Always good to be here. And you know what? Shout out to our video producer, RJ, putting us on Twitch. Shout out to you guys who are watching right now. I know that there's a few of you out there. Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All MBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All MBA. I'm Rosa Panta. This is The Clinic All MBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts.